0: This is the Urban Astronomer Podcast. Hello fans of space and science. Hello old fans and new listeners. Welcome to the new third season of the Urban Astronomer Podcast. My name is Alan Fersfeld and I am your host and also the producer of the show and I need to apologize for this season starting so late. Everybody's been very kind about it on Twitter, you can find me there as at you astronomer, but I still feel guilty about it. I do have the excuse of this whole coronavirus pandemic which at the time of recording continues to spread around the world and that's not even an excuse but still feelings. Anyway let's focus. This is the 55th episode of the Urban Astronomer Podcast and the first initial episode of the third season. Today's episode features an interview with somebody I've known for almost a decade now, Dr. Tony Lilliot. He's an expert on science education and has a research interest on how astronomy is used in science curricula. But he'll explain it a lot better when we get to him in a minute. But first I want to finish introducing you to the new season. The formats I adopted last season seemed to work quite well, so we'll be doing more of the same. 12 episodes, half of them interviews with people who have some sort of connection with South African astronomy, and the rest being where I answer basic astronomy and physics questions from people like yourself. Or sometimes I'll just talk about something that I want to talk about because I find it interesting and because I'm sure that you'll find it interesting too. But if you have questions you'd like to hear answered or topics you'd like me to discuss, then please drop me a mail at podcast at urban-astronomer.com. Just tell me your name, ask your question, and I'll try to answer it in an upcoming episode. The only real change I'm bringing in is that I might sometimes include a few news items. Since I do that anyway on the weekly space hangout with Fraser Cain and the gang, I might as well let you in on some of that. Now, before we get to Dr. Lelliot, I've got a quick favour to ask. If you like how the show sounds, if you enjoy the content, then please could you support me by suggesting us to a friend or leaving a review on whatever podcasting platform you use to find the show. That sort of thing pushes me up the rankings, which means other people are more likely to hear that I exist and give us a listen. I don't get any advertising revenue because I'm a bit of a purist and possibly a little pretentious. So I don't want to have to interrupt the show to talk about mattresses or innovative investment products or whatever other company is dominating the podcast ad spend this month. But I do get a bit of a kick from knowing that I'm reaching a larger audience. So anything that helps me get there is a big deal for me. Also, I do have a Patreon account, if you prefer to offer more concrete support by throwing a few dollars my way each month. I'm certainly not too proud to take your money if you're offering it, but whatever you decide to do, the show will continue, everything remains free, and I hope you'll stay with us for the rest of the season. So, that's a whole lot of me not talking about astronomy, so let's cut straight to the interview. Here he is, our first guest this season, Dr. Tony Lilliett. We recorded this at Tony's home a few weeks before we went into lockdown where we drank tea and ate biscuits and sat in comfortable armchairs. Here talking about astronomy in education and education in South Africa is Tony Lelliot.
1: My name is Tony Lelliot. I um, currently work at a a non-governmental organization um, to do with education uh, but prior to that, uh, for 21 years, I was working at the University of Witwatersrand, Johannesburg, in the Witt School of Education. And I one of my main areas of both research and teaching was astronomy education.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, we first met um, at, it was in 2012, at the Astronomical Society of South Africa Symposium in Cape Town. Ah, yes. You presented a talk on, it was, I believe, the astronomy curriculum in, Correct. in South African education.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: And I recall when we met, you said you weren't a member of the society and you'd managed to wangle yourself a, a speaking place. Uh, <laughs> do you have an interest in astronomy outside of education?
1: Um, I I do, in that I, I do go and I observe um, the night sky when I'm out in an area that... I can observe the night sky in Uh so uh, um, I've got a telescope had telescope for some time and I just I do it in a very amateur sort of way which is of course the way a lot of uh, you know astronomers work Um, so uh, yes I have an interest in it I've actually had an interest in it ever since I was young um, and uh, have always looked at the the night sky Um, I lived in um, Botswana for 10 years and there's quite a little interesting event uh, that happened, you'll probably better correct me about the date, but um, I lived in a village, um, Palole, and we had a fantastic night sky because it was a village in Botswana in the 80s. And um, we could see um, very clear, uh, 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 the sky very clearly at night, and um, we could see the clouds of Magellan. And then one night um, I went out and there was an enormous star in one of the clouds of Magellan, and it was a supernova. 1937. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I knew you'd get it right. So, and of course, no internet at the time. I, um, I looked at that and thought, you know, that is not what was there before. And I, you know, I had seen it quite clearly previously. So, um, and it wasn't for another few months that I found out, because I wasn't connected to an astronomy community or anything like that. A few months later, I found out, I read something somewhere and there was a, a supernova there so um it was really nice to have, have seen that you know and mm-hmm. of course when, I, when we were there um 1986 there was Halley's Comet which is a bit of a disappointment um but uh Comet McNaught uh, my wife carried on living in Botswana and um, when we'd moved here she she's she was teaching there until she moved here and I had fantastic view of Comet McNaught um in a rural area again, um, just a few years back. I mean, it was probably 12 to fifteen years back now. I'm struggling
0: to remember, wasn't two thousand one? Was, was it? No, oh. I think it was
1: quite as early as that. But anyway, um, but that was really good because from mm-hmm. here you could see it. I remember going to see it, um, not far from the from in, within Joburg, mm-hmm. but in the rural area you could see that how massive the tail was. It was really good. So it's those sorts of interest things that I, have kept me. know interest all the all these years and then I in a way sort of formalized it into astronomy education since I was in the education field. Mm -hmm. So your real uh, expertise
0: then is education is it specifically science education or? Correct it's
1: basically science education Um, I have a bit of an eclectic science background I'm um, I've my original degree was in geology all right, um, which did include some planetary science uh, because we, uh, well, the university I was at, which was Durham University in England, they, some of the people there worked on some of the moon rocks, and this was in the seventies. And um, then I did a a masters actually in zoology. Uh, it was a by thesis. Um, I went to the Himalayas and studied pheasants, and got a good view of the night sky there as well. And um, then when I was at, uh, been wits for a few years um decided i needed to do a phd and so i uh, with a phd anybody listening you must do a phd in, in an area you're really interested in <laughs> and because i was working to a university a phd was really mandatory you really if you're going to stay there you really need one so i thought well what have i been interested in all these years well it's sort of you know popularization and uh, of of science but but i thought astronomy would be an interesting one to to look at and uh So I did. And that's how I started the PhD and worked through the um, and then got more into um, astronomy education, particularly in Southern African curriculums.
0: Over the years, what insights in science education have you have you developed that you're not seeing implemented yet? Like if you were in charge of education, Mm. Okay, and that's a big question. I know. <laughs> what's what's what would you like to see implemented or changed?
1: Well, I mean, if I want to do it from an astronomy viewpoint, um, the 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 change in in the South African curriculum uh, that that happened after ninety four was to produce a single curriculum two thousand and five, which was an outcomes based curriculum, which in the end has fallen away, um, and. Of course, everybody, every person of uh, in 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 subject content areas wanted their own subject to be in the curriculum, and there I am afraid, astronomy lost out in a rather strange way. It's there in the early curriculum. In fact, last week I gave a guest lecture back at Witz to teachers of foundation phase, the young kids and um it's there in the foundation phase it's there in the intermediate and senior phase in bits it's things like phases of the moon and uh the seasons and those sorts of things and then there's a, a very strange gap from grade 8 9 uh, sorry yes uh there's sorry, so it's there in grade 8 and 9 there's a very strange gap 10 11 12 there's actually no astronomy there at all except um a very very minuscule little bit uh uh here and there and then so 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 I think the unfortunate thing is that astronomy is an area that interests kids and if you want them to be studying at a university relevant subjects and you cut out astronomy and so they got interested in primary school and then junior secondary school the first couple of years of secondary school and then suddenly it's disappeared completely and they're told well physics you do you know you do physical science and you do and maths and stuff, which, of course, are the basis for astronomy. Right. But you have lost out on maybe the magic side of it. Mm. And so there's been this gap. And um, many universities, including WITS, didn't even have first-year um, astronomy for many, many years. Uh, so if I was to change the curriculum from that point of view, I'd say you you, you, you shouldn't get children interested in a subject and then drop it completely. Um at, at, at the point at which they, are, they could maybe take it a bit further and then eventually go to university and then there's more reason for them to study the physics and the, mm-hmm. and the uh, physical science and the, and the maths. So that would be one thing I would do. Um, the second thing I would say, it's, it's gone too much the other way now. It's, very, very, it's a very constrained curriculum. CAPS, um, it's re- referred to as. It's very constrained and it's overfull. As the usual thing, people mm. can't help. And and this is where the original trouble came, you see, because everybody wants to put their own thing into the curriculum. Then it got full and therefore astronomy lo- lost out. Um, and uh, now it's too full and it's very difficult for teachers to implement the whole curriculum. So I would, I would strip it back and have fewer... Um, I'd have more depth and less breadth, probably, um, so more, more depth. focused perhaps yes more depth into certain subjects you go into those topics you mm. go into those in more detail uh, and not try and cover everything and then say well then um, you know they need everything because they're going to university because many most of the kids leaving school don't go to university
0: mm. why astronomy then why not I mean if we're looking at things that kids are interested in why
1: specifically astronomy and not say dinosaurs or okay. volcanoes or um well I think I mean I think if we're talking about the South African curriculum it's a key area of as we know with the SKA etc cetera, etc cetera, of um of for South African science and I think we should capitalize on South African science areas one of which is paleontology and that's another interest of mine right um and um, and having originally got the geology degree, but interest I've, I'm interested in the cradle of humankind and all that, all those hominins and things have been found there. So I think we ought to capitalise on this, and they did in the curriculum capitalise on things like Australopithecus and early Homo and those things. Um, they've got them there in the biology curriculum, life sciences curriculum, um, but there's no there's there's virtually no. Um, uh, astronomy at that level and i think you should try and capitalize on on an area that the that that the country is strong in and we know that it's strong in uh early human origins it's strong in uh in, in astronomy in various ways um and the trouble is with astronomy it really you know, once you get into astrophysics and you start getting into radio telescopes and things, that's beyond the school curriculum. Yeah. But at least you can introduce them to aspects of it.
0: Because then it becomes almost more of an engineering topic. Radio astronomy is very.
1: Correct. Right. Correct. So I think you would, but you know, it's not really there uh, uh-huh. because they didn't think of that at the time. And I think it would need eventually to be re rethought through but uh poor old teachers they you know they, the con- the curriculum's constantly been changing so they need some stability and they've had it for a few years mm. at least
0: you've probably seen me complain on twitter about uh, what my kids are having to go through and i'm trying to be kind to the poor teachers because i realize that they also are in a very yes, difficult situation they are uh yes, no the workload not. yes you know it's crazy it's mm. i'm sitting with a Uh, within the curriculum I have a 6 year old an 8 year old um, and a 10 year old and a 12 year old Mm. and the older kids are doing okay but the younger ones I'm sitting up with them for up to 2 hours a night Mm. um, which means I come home from work and I we sit until dinner time and then it's bedtime and Mm. it just occupies their lives Mm. Mm. and you can't not you can't just skip it because then they fall behind on what's required of them at the school
1: yes yeah, no, so, that's what I yeah. mean by the over-full curriculum. Mm. There's uh, quite there's been some research on on that, particularly in KwaZulu Natal, looking at curriculum coverage, mm. and that teachers are not able to really cover the curriculum properly because there's just too much of it.
0: Mm-hmm. What Why education at all? Like, what is the purpose? Like, what not just what you believe it should be, but the way it's being implemented. I mean. Is it intended to create workers, to get people ready for jobs? Is it there to better society by making sure everybody's well-informed or well-schooled in ways of thinking? and Or like the old school where everyone can speak Latin by the time they, they leave school? What should it be?
1: Yeah, um, that's a, a deep question, <laughs> philosophical question. Um, I think we education has been... Um, very much to f- sort of fill the needs of society and have productive workers and that sort of thing. But I think things have so radically changed over probably since the advent of the internet um, that, the you know, all, we always hear about the 21st century skills and all those sorts of things. But we do need to rethink education. I mean, even the... Um, it's very difficult to do that if you try and really completely transform. For example, why do we have school holidays like they are? Um, you know, it, it it comes from an old you know, agricultural um, time mm. when people were needed, you know, in the fields and that sort of stuff. And nobody's really. Uh, I think some people have, some countries have probably tried it, but we probably should actually overhaul it totally. But it's that's too big and scary for a government really to do. Um, the fact that we can look up knowledge um, on our phones, if we have smartphones, but certainly on tablets and and, the, uh, and, and computers, so quickly and easily, in most situations now, um, means that we don't need to be cramming our heads with facts. We mm. should be you know this thing of we should be teaching critical skills because they need to be able to look at those um the stuff that is churned out on social media that is incorrect um and um they need to critically appraise it and 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 decide what's correct and what's not and um take take the the, the correct sides of things but um we can't we i don't think most societies are very good at and i don't i haven't looked at other countries curricula carefully enough but they really should be moving away from um them having very large numbers of facts that everybody just has to know by the time they leave school they should know how to find that information out Mm -hmm. i mean when i was young particularly uh you, if you wanted stuff, you, some stuff it was very difficult to find out. Um, you go to encyclopedias and all those sorts of things, but you'd. But now you, you can actually find stuff out extremely easily. So um, there should be a rethink, and I. What should education be for? Um, for in the end, for the for the betterment of society, but exactly how you get there, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, in a way, it's too big a question for me to be able to answer right now. Right,
0: I mean there has to be and I'm speaking against my own instincts here but I recognize intellectually there has to be a place for making people productive in society, giving them jobs so they can feed themselves, especially well I was going to say especially in South Africa but if there aren't jobs available that need an education then maybe that's not where the focus should be Um, I know Entrepreneurship is a favorite topic, but again, mm. I don't know that that's something you can teach, given that most businesses fail um, within a year or two. Do you really want your entire population uh, being, being, being the, the ex-owners of failed businesses? Mm. Um, and I suppose if, if, if you could know in advance that this is the formula to make it work, but of course nobody knows that. No. Uh, the only people who think they know it are the people who succeeded, but... Were they just lucky, was there, because none of them agree on what their formula was so. Okay but then on a tangential topic, um, speaking of putting information out there, um, being able to find your own information and something I see you have also worked on is uh, studying science communication which is I suppose related but peripheral to formal education. Well I don't know how to formulate a question but what do you what what do you feel about that? I mean are we, is there enough of it? Is it being done wrong
1: or right? Um, I think science communication is important. Um, it's not just that one wants to catch children at school uh, and to know about the sciences, but um, for adults to uh, interact effectively in society, so much is science-based, certainly tech, science and technology-based, that they should have um, uh, at least some understanding of of, uh, of how things work. So I think science communication is important. We should be uh, able to provide fora for adults to learn about more about the world, and a lot of that would be through science. Um, what I've found is there's quite a big overlap between good science communication, where you're getting people engaged, doing stuff such as the citizen science stuff, interested, and uh, and school school science, um, learning about things, there's quite a big overlap because some of, the, some of the methods you use in one can be used in the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, as well as um, working in particularly in, in science education at, at WITS where we were uh, teaching future teachers and in-service teachers to be able to teach their own science better, we're also trying to get um, uh, people interested in science for its own sake. Um, we would do, um, in the case of astronomy, do um, events to, to encourage people to come and um, look at the night sky. Right in the middle of Johannesburg, on the top of the building that I, I taught in, um, are some telescopes in a uh, an observatory that was built, I suspect, sometime in the 1980s. Telescopes are still there. They're all working. We had one fixed up. And we used to run um, astronomy evenings three times a year, carefully selected to get evening planets rising or setting. Um, and uh, we got quite a, you know, we, we uh, publicised it throughout the university particularly. And we, it wasn't mainly for the students, though it was some, but it was also for students who had nothing to do with the teaching of science. They wanted to come and just see what's involved. But also staff, staff families and those sorts of things. Um, we could only cope with smallish numbers so we were never wanting hundreds we you know we're in the tens of of people coming and i would have a uh, a a better amateur astronomer than me showing stuff on the through the telescopes and then i would um, describe the night sky and point point things out uh, and explain what's going on and all that sort of stuff
0: Hmm. is there anything that you think people should know about or that you'd like to draw people's attention to promote highlight
1: um, I must admit I'm slightly out of the field at the moment because for the last three years I've been working in a in a um a project-based environment that's not to do with astronomy, hardly even to do with science education, just education generally. So I'm i I'm slightly out of touch in that respect. Um the uh so I don't know if I have anything <laughs> particularly to 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 discuss there. Um I suppose there's one area of of interest, and that is um, quite a lot of... uh, There's a long pause now. Um, (laughs) There's been a lot of hype around the SKA, Hmm. which, as you said earlier, is is really around engineering and other aspects. And um, there have been a few studies, sort of social science studies, Showing that people were quite dissatisfied in the area of the SKA, that now it's a it's a radio quiet zone and those sorts of things. And um, I think there should be a, a better communications strategy around something like the SKA. I tried to um, uh, engage with um, some of the uh, SKA people to see what their communication strategy was, but I didn't get that far this was about two years ago so so although there is a a certain amount of it i think we it ought to be a little bit more prominent in so that um people know what's going on because it's it's a very difficult thing to understand um what radio astronomy is what it's looking at what it's trying to find because people it's it's a it's a it's quite a, a abstruse area of of astronomy even in itself um talking about um uh, seeing uh, s- such such great distances, which is, of course, seeing back in time and those sorts of things. So I think that would be an area, I think, uh, that we ought to, um, the public ought to be hearing more about.
0: It's interesting you you, you mentioned that, because uh, I spoke September, I think, last year, uh, Dr. Gerita Holbrook. Yes. Uh, you know her? Well, of her. Yes. Uh, and this was a, a special interest for her because yes. she looks a lot at the relationships between observatories and yes. among the other things that she does. Yes. How can people get hold of you if they want to? If they want to hear more about what you're doing, or ask you questions, or do you want to share contact details like Twitter accounts or anything like that?
1: Um. Yes. I um. I I don't really I don't use Facebook. Um. I use Twitter. Mm-hmm. And um. I'm at Dr. Tony, but unfortunately I'd have to spell it out because when I set up on Twitter, I really didn't know what Twitter was going to be all about quite a long time ago, I don't okay. know, 10 years or something. I like think that. any of us did, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, I don't want it to identify me necessarily at the time. Um, and so it's uh, at Dr. Tony, it's Dr. D R T O E K N W E, as in toe and the knee, Dr. Tony. And I, um, I do... Um, I I, I use it mainly for, uh, you know, retweeting content in various science areas, particularly in uh, human origins and astronomy. Um, So that would be one. Um, I think that's because I don't have a LinkedIn account anymore. I used to have one. I don't have one. So that's the main way in which I communicate.
0: Um, Yeah. Thank you for your time. I think I think we're done here. Okay. Uh, great. Been a, been a pleasure talking to you. Well, thanks very
1: much. I enjoyed it a lot.
0: And that was Tony Lilliot in what I personally think was an excellent start to the season. Thank you, Dr. Lilliot. Next week's episode will be the first science-explaining bit of the season, and I will be talking about leap years. It's going to be a bit of a deep dive, looking at Roman timekeeping, how politics led to countries disagreeing on the date, and how the entire concept of a solar calendar might be an excellent idea for farmers, but it's just a huge headache for scientists and computer engineers. Till next week then, I am looking forward to chatting to you again, and I hope you have clear skies. Cheers.